Coming up, the number one fantasy book podcast, breaking down the scrolls and spells of nerd culture. We're Phantology. You may have heard of us. Yeah, and can I just point out in your review, you spelled werewolf wrong like five times. <laughs> Do you know how to spell the word? Do you know how to spell the word werewolf? <laughs> it's not it? like you wear clothes. It's not W-E-A-R. <laughs> well, is werewolf really a wer- real word though? It's totally a, it's a real word, yes. Oh, so it's W-E-R-E. Where? where? Yeah, it's like where. W- You're saying that W-E-R-E. W-E-R-E. No, that's were. Oh boy, okay. This is a dark moment for Phantology Podcast. <laughs> okay, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Phantology Podcast. Before we get started, if you would like to chat with us more, if you're interested in the content we're putting out, join our Discord. You can find it on the pinned tweet on our Twitter account, Phantology Books. And just hop on there and, and chat away about whatever. We're, we're a growing community and excited to hear more voices. Yeah, we actually just had Jovi hopped on. He's, the, he's a moderator of the First Law Trilogy Reddit. And he is super knowledgeable and has been, in a very kind way, correcting all the things that we got wrong in the podcast. So it's been awesome having him on there. Yeah, a lot of these books, there's very few that we've read even more than once. So we're going to make mistakes for sure. So we'd love to have people who are more involved in specific communities join in. Yeah. So today's episode is book two of the Dresden Files, Fool Moon. And Ben and Josh are both joining me. Once again, if you if you listen to our first Dresden episode, you'll know that Josh and I read the series a while back and Ben is doing his first read through. And this is all leading up towards uh, the release of Peace Talks in July, right? Book 16. Yeah. So this is a really nice way for Josh and I Josh and I to catch up because we don't exactly have the time to read through all of these, but we can vicariously read through on our podcast reviews and hopefully listeners can as well. And the, the nice thing about Dresden Files is you get the book and there's a few scenes that just stand out from each book. So it's really fun to go back and relive those scenes. Yeah, and especially these beginning books, there I just remember a few scenes. The later books, the plot starts to get more complex, and there's there's more interaction between characters and plot lines from previous books. But these first books, especially, are, are almost just episodic one-offs. Yeah, so I think that just a, we'll do a quick podcast this time, and um, so we'll do a quick content rating, and then jump into spoilers. Sound good? Yeah. So Ben, you're our resident expert or at least the uh, the most recent experts. So go ahead and tell us what you thought of this book. Uh, maybe before we do the content warning, just compare the second book that you just read to the first book, Stormfront. Yeah, so I think that I was looking forward to reading the second book because I thought that it would kind of determine how much I would like the series. You know, a lot of times first books are kind of finding their feet, finding their ground a little bit. And I was kind of put off, honestly, by the second book. After talking through with you guys, I feel like um, I have renewed hope for the series because you said it gets better kind of going forward. But I feel like the second book, there's a few things I didn't like about it. One, there was a lot more content in it. And we'll talk about that in the content ratings, but I didn't love that. I also didn't love that it treated characters as a bit more expendable than I would have appreciated. Um, 
and meaning that there's a few characters that they killed off that I I didn't necessarily think that they that he needed to. So with that, yeah, without getting into any spoilers, I'll kind of leave that comparison there. I th- I felt like it didn't do much to in, to kind of build off of the first one. Let's put it that way. Interesting. So I kind of remembered the series as more of a fun romp through Chicago with magical beasts and demons in the way, but I don't remember a whole lot of content. Uh, so I must have just let that slide and 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 focused on the more uh, the more memorable pieces. But uh, yeah, sounds like readers uh, readers should be aware of a little bit more. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I guess to do a quick content rating. Maybe this was easier for me to pick up because I was doing an audiobook, and I think I think you read it right, like the actual text version. Yeah, this was back in the day before I was big into audiobooks, so I read the actual text. Yeah, sure. And just a fun note: if you do do the audiobooks, at least the versions that I'm I'm listening to, it's they still have like the change the CD at this one, you know, so like you still hear that, and so it's kind of a fun fun to remember those days where you would listen to audiobooks on CDs and have to change them out. These must be really old school then. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that like a library just ripped their CD version onto like digital, another digital format and, and put it on there. So I'm listening to uh, The Golden Compass, the first book of His Dark Materials right now. And the audiobook is almost like this thematic performance because when they're talking, they have this ambiance music in the back and then they have different voice actors for the dialogue. And then there's a narrator for the non-dialogue pieces. Yeah, I, I listened to those on audiobook as well, Stephen. And I haven't loved when other books have done that, but I really dug it for his Dark Materials. I think because they actually put work into doing it and not just, it didn't sound as cheap as sometimes it, other, it sounds other places. Yeah, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that series. So look for that review. We'll have to decide if we want to do a book by book or just a, a review of that trilogy. So um, in terms of content, there were a lot more F words in this book. So it was almost like probably one per chapter. Whereas the first book, it was like one in the whole book that kind of stuck out. And I would say the violence um, was much more consistent. I feel like in the first book, it it was only in one or two scenes that it was kind of graphically violent. And this, it was like every scene, Harry was like getting beat up and kind of, or he was witnessing these gruesome werewolf attacks. So yeah, it was much more consistently graphically violent. That's not too surprising. If I remember the series right, Harry Dresden's physical health bar is never above like 40 or 50%. He has a rough. The one thing you can count on in a Dresden book is to see that health part deplete pretty far for Harry. And it's pretty comical sometimes. Like, does he ever actually fully recover? I feel bad for him. At the, maybe at the beginning of the book. At the beginning of the book, he starts 100%. And then makes his way down and down to the end where he's just surviving on his very last thread. Well, yeah, in the beginning of the book, he's always trying to pay rent or like needs a job to come along. So like he's always just in a in a hard way. At least when he's out doing these things, he's at least getting paid for him. Okay, so let's uh I'll read a review that I wrote three minutes ago. Okay, so Harry Dresden once again finds himself down on his luck until a new string of murders suddenly gives him employment once again. This time the murders are being done by werewolves gasp after a few days of investigation dresden finds out that there are a few different kinds of werewolves that are wreaking havoc this fast-paced story is complete with a couple of twists that are that absolutely everyone can see coming motivations that aren't that deep harry finally hooking up with season all the while ogling a reverse werewolf 
Despite the fact of anything super interesting, this is still an exciting twist on a classic werewolf story. So I guess building off of that, we can kind of jump into spoilers now. Yeah, and can I just point out in your review, you spelled werewolf wrong like five times. <laughs> well, maybe next time I'll try and write this before jumping on. Do you know how to spell the word? Do you know how to spell the word werewolf? (laughs) It's not like you wear clothes. It's not W-E-A-R. Well, is werewolf really a real word though? (laughs) It's totally, it's a real word. Yes. Oh, so it's W-E-R-E. Where? where? Yeah, it's like where. Look up where. where. You're saying that W. Yeah. W-E-R-E is for werewolf. No, that's were. No, but there's... Look up werewolf. Oh, boy. Okay. This is a dark moment for Phantology Podcast. <laughs> like, this is a dark moment for Ben. You know, this probably just means that I don't really love werewolf stories, which I am not ashamed about. Well, where means man. So, like, there's, like, where... Like, in other stories, there's, like, where uh, monkeys or where, like, gorillas. Like, to fill in the blank, there's other animals besides wolf, and then they just put the where in there and it like talks about like a man wolf or a man blank animal yeah wolves are just the most popular thing to transform into but where beasts of all kinds exist and they're all spelled (laughs) w-e-r-e anyway well you learn something new every day i guess i guess where is the word of the day for phantology spoiler alert this book deals with werewolves quite a bit w-e-r-e wolves this is the type of stuff that's usually res- reserved for the Discord is somebody making a stupid typo like that and then everyone piling on them and, yeah. and talking about it. So if you want that level of fun, then... This wasn't even a typo, though. This was a lack of basic knowledge. <laughs> you know what, dear listener, if you made it through this discussion, then I am very proud of you. And we can we can move on to reviewing the actual story. You know how Harry Potter, in each book, there is a new plot element that it get, that gets introduced and is very important for that story but then isn't quite as drawn upon in future books for example why are the time turners not used outside of the third book so Dresden's kind of similar where for example this book is all about werewolves and you'll see werewolves in other books as well but they're not they're not nearly as important to the plot as they are in this book this book is all about introducing this plot element and in a lot of the early entries at least he just kind of goes through and introduces different beasts and different orders of knights and courts of the fairy kingdom as it goes on, uh, vampires as well. And then eventually, once you get into later books, they all kind of mash up. And that's where I really like the series. That, that's true. I, I do believe that there's a comic series that features the werewolf heavily. So let me ask you this as somebody that hasn't read um, past the second book. I was kind of annoyed at the fact that like essentially these books had the same. It was kind of like almost like fill in the blank, like like Harry starts out broke. He starts out with a bad relationship with the police or whatever. And then they they kind of like make their way through it. And it has very much like the same plot arc as the as the first one did. Is that pretty similar? Like, can I expect that kind of same format going forward? From what I remember, that format is definitely not shy, especially in the early books. But similar to how he mashes up a lot of the plot things that start happening, it'll it'll start getting better. It almost seems like 
having enough confidence to mash things up as an author is something that you have to have confidence in order to do that. Well, okay. So, so let me put it this way. I feel like Steven, you're pretty spot on with saying that there are different parts of the underworld of Chicago that he explores in most of the beginning books. But I also feel like there's at least one new character that he picks up each book that is, that sticks around or one, one important thing that kind of goes from book to book and so as those do start to interact more heavily, you do get a little bit more interesting plot structures. Um, I'm thinking of a few books specifically. Yeah, so there's there's some interesting places that the series goes. You really do you really do just have to have the wherewithal to stick through, through the early books. Daniel Green is actually reading through Dresden Files right now, and his reviews are essentially that it gets better and better and better, and we're saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he was almost to stop at book five, I think. He was like, it was the his Discord community, I believe, urged him to pick it up. And now he's like putting it in his top 10 fantasy series of all time. Okay, that's good. Because I guess I kind of have to get over that then, that it that they're just kind of cookie cutter books and, and just they are, get through that. They are. I mean, the first few books, it's just kind of like you're watching a TV show. Yeah. And then it starts getting a lot more exciting. That's a good way to describe it, is that it felt very like, very much like a TV show. And the good news is they're not that long, so it's not too much of a commitment to to pound through these, or at least the early books. So let's talk about actually a little bit of what happened in this book and a few a few kind of scenes. I could have done without the scene where the loot guru, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, he, McFinn, he kind of turns into a werewolf at the police station and just totally decimates like the entire force, including Murray's partner, like the you know good cop that always has a stain on his tie or whatever. I I was really kind of like that guy didn't need to die, so I was annoyed by that scene. Kind of envision him as like Lassiter, yeah, from Psych. Yeah, from from Psych, exactly. And my thing is like I feel like once that event happened, that at that point like the world would know that there was a werewolf on the loose, right? Like, I mean, and that like, there should have been some like real world implications of, of a werewolf attacking Chicago police station. Well, I, I think that that's kind of one of the themes of the series too, is that we can't willfully ignore the things that are right in front of us and they get covered up. Well, that's fair to a point, but when you have like dozens of people that were savagely murdered by a werewolf, you can't willfully ignore that. But does it explain it? Is there any explanation in the book? No, it's just, that happened and whatever. Like, I think, I think they kind of reference the fact that Murray actually gets like a nameplate on the door instead of just like, well, the, the interesting thing though, is that it talks about how Harry gets kind of ostracized in the magic community for just telling everyone he's a wizard and just like practicing in the open. But like he does, and there's nothing that stops him from doing it. You know? Well, yeah, but he's a lot of times he, no, he. Everyone that comes in, he like tells them. It's not like he casts like these really intense spells in front of like and just walking down the street or whatever. He, he advertises himself in the yellow pages. Harry Dresden, comma wizard, right? That's like his listing. Yeah, wizard for hire. Look, at, I understand that it's a lot easier to write off. You know how many psychics advertise that they're psychics on, and on the street. It's a lot easier to write that off as just an average citizen of Earth compared to a werewolf ravaging an entire police station. I mean, come on, those things are not the same. Uh, Yeah, so Ben, that was one of the scenes that stuck with me. 
because of the epic and graphic nature of a superpowered werewolf ripping apart a police station and leaving behind a trail of bodies. Definitely a, a memorable scene. And it definitely raised the stakes. Could have done without some of the, the graphic nature, but you really got a sense of, okay, this thing is, is pretty powerful and Dresden's up against some really strong enemies. And I think that's another one of the things that you see throughout the series is Dresden's kind of this middling power wizard, but he, he crosses really powerful bad guys. And the fun is always how he's going to take them down. Yeah, I mean, I it did serve to raise the stakes. I'll give you that. So that was good. I guess I was excited for for that cop to kind of provide some interesting depth in how he interacts with Chicago PD rather than just through Murray's eyes. So I was excited for that character to be developed. And the fact that he was just kind of cut short was like, oh, like, I guess that's not going to happen anymore. So if you had to, if, if you had to guess which new characters introduced in this book would continue to be recurring cast members of Dresden Files, who would you say? Okay, so recurring cast members, or Murphy. Have I been saying Murray? Her name is Murphy. You've been saying Murray. Yeah, say Murphy. Okay, Murphy. Okay, Murphy was introduced last book, and she's in every book. But which new character or group of characters introduced in this book is going to be important for the rest of the series? I don't think anybody introduced that that wasn't in the first book, just interest, introduced in this book. I don't think that there's anybody that would continue on. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> well, don't you feel powerful having read this series? You didn't answer the question, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't think there was anybody super important. Like the FBI people didn't seem like they should stick around at all. Well, they get killed. Yeah, they yeah, they're goners. Who else? McFlynn dies. So the answer is the, the alphas. The the alpha, the group oh. of teenage werewolves. They're going to stick around. But their their leader, Tara, kind of also went back to the wilds of northern Seattle or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't remember the exact details here, but she was a wolf that could turn into a human, not the other way around, so... But the rest of the alphas, what's their leader's name? Georgia or something like that? Is that? Yeah, Georgia and Billy are two main alphas. Yeah, those guys are going to be around in a few more in a few more books, at least. They're cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah Harry always uses them in some cool and fun ways or introduces them into the book. And yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. That's cool. So let's see. What are some other things, scenes that stuck with you guys? I mean, I guess I could kind of go through because I just read the book and obviously it's not super memorable for you guys. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. So I remember some vague details of how the uh, how the final climax goes down, where they they head down to Marcone's estate. Um, yeah. g- give us a rundown of how that happens. Yeah. So so we find out that Marcone has gone to the FBI for police protection and he is unaware that the FBI are in fact have pelts that that also make them turn into werewolves and that they're planning on killing him. So yeah, Harry goes there with um, Tara and the Alphas, and after they are kind of taken out one by one with a with a dark gun, Harry f- finds himself in a pit with all the Alphas, unable to defend themselves until 
uh, Marcone manages to to drop down a rope for Harry to climb out with, and then Harry dons one of the pelts to kill the main FBI bad guy, and then him and Tara are able to unfortunately kill McFlynn, um, and Harry summons the last bit of his magical energy to to pull out that win. Wait, is that unfortunate that they kill McFlynn? Yeah, well, I feel like it was kind of this is something that I felt like was they they should have explored more. He's a good guy that was cursed to be a werewolf and can't really control it. And that was kind of Tara Tara's impression of him as well. And they're engaged. And so it was kind of like this poor guy can't do anything about it and had taken steps to try and control it by like making a circle in his home or whatever and you're just never able to get under control. In other tales they would come up with a way to cure him of his werewolf nature, or he would be able to live with it and still be a good guy, such as Remus Lupin, for example. But yeah. no, in this case, they they just take him out. Yeah, they take him out. And I don't mind the fact that they took him out. I mind the fact that um, they didn't harp on that theme of almost the sacrificial, the sacrifice they made. You know what I mean? And the sacrifice that Harry made by killing by killing him like that. It should have been more tragic. Yeah, and and it was a little bit, but it was more just, I, I felt like they could have done more with that. I mean, to be honest, Dresden does have some themes attached to it, but it's not that hard-hitting of a book, right? It's mostly just fun. That's true. Yeah, the later ones get into some heavier themes, I think. I think that they definitely start getting a lot more to do with like religion and how much your beliefs matter to you whatnot than the earlier ones yeah I, if there's one thing we keep on coming back to it's that you really have to invest invest the time to get through the series to to yeah. the, there's a payoff the payoff is not necessarily in the individual books in the in the first few but once you get into the later books that's where that's where it's worth it so so the thing i remember from this book is how it continued introducing marcone into the story and it developed his character a little bit more and i didn't know after i finished the first book if he was just going to be a one-off kind of morally gray bad guy type character or if he was going to actually be in the series i think that this book introduced him as more solidly okay here's going to be a recurring character in the series yeah yeah he's one of my favorite characters as well i honestly thought he was maybe like once every three books but he's in the first two books i kind of forgot that so I don't know that he's in the next one, though. The next book, they introduce Michael Carpenter, one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's he's like Michael. This is not a, maybe kind of a spoiler, but Michael is more of my one of my favorite characters in like all fantasy. I think I really like his character. Arx's character has nice. That's a high, that's a high praise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not like, you're like you're like competing with like Kaladin over here. Yeah, but Michael, I don't know, just. The way that Michael always prioritizes his family, but still goes out. And I, I don't know. I really like Michael. I, I stand by that. I say top 10 for sure. Uh, maybe like top five. Okay. Okay. Well, this is a book to review and I, I <laughs> yeah, look sorry, forward sorry. to meeting Michael in the next book. So do you guys want to just to finish this off real fast, do a little worst of the best segment? Yeah. So to finish off, Ben, why don't you just give us your worst of the best? I don't know if Josh and I have anything more than the opinions. Okay. So my worst of the best was when Harry and Susan 
hooked up. I don't. I, it's unclear if this was the first time. It kind of seems like it was that they um, sort of went all the way, if you will. I think it was done tastefully. I have no kind of problems with that, especially considering the fact that like Harry ogles like a, a Tara Westover's naked form like the whole entire book. But anyway, I thought that the, that this part was done tastefully, but it was kind of just shoved in there almost. And I know that 90% of people are making a that's what she said joke, but yeah. Yep. That was, it was, it was like right before they went off to, to take down the bad guys and Harry was beat up and she fixes him up and, and they, they hook up after that. So I felt like it was just kind of like an afterthought. It was like, Oh, this, this needs to happen in this book and this is an okay place to do it. So I like the fact that they took their relationship to that level. And I thought it was done tastefully, but it was just like didn't make sense in terms of the overall, overall like plot of the book. So that was my worst of the best. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Josh. Any final words here? Nope. We're I'm I'm excited for Ben to keep reading the series because I'm excited to start talking about the characters that I love, like Michael and Thomas. Yeah. And just so our readers know if, if Josh Town's a little sleep deprived, he just had a, a baby girl two days ago now. Yeah, on leap on leap day. Yeah. Uh, at three eighteen AM. So I've had about three hours of sleep the last two days. So if this was a fantasy book, his his daughter would be endowed with some type of magical power because she was born on leap day. So there, there's an exclusive society of people that you can only join if you are born on the 29th of February. Yes. Congrats to Josh and his wife and their new baby girl who will have a birthday once every four years. Lucky her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you next time. This has been another episode of Phantology Podcast. See you later.